wrestler court. Keenan and Turtle wrestler court. Keenan and Turtle wrestler court. Keenan and Turtle, yeah. Keenan and Turtle in the wrestler court. One's a fan, the other used to ref the sport. One will speak and then the other will retort. Things could get heated, someone could get hurt at wrestler court. Keenan and Turtle wrestler court. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Wrestler Court Podcast with Keenan and Turtle. I'm Keenan. And I'm Turtle. Welcome to another episode. Hey, last week, we had the great Eric Bischoff on with us. He's just a success in life. He's, he's one of my favorite people in the business. I've listened to the interview probably about five or six times. And it was a solid interview, but it was just so amazing to me that we got to speak to one of the legends of the wrestling industry. Yeah, I said it last week, and for whatever reason, Eric took a real liking to me, and I... <laughs> I'm not sure why. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I don't like you. I, yeah, I don't know why either. And, you know, I, I did say it last week as well that there's not very many people that still get me right. when I get a text message or when I get them on the phone or when I get an email. Eric Bischoff got me. What's so funny about our dynamic here and what you're coming from and what you're going to start working here is I'm very similar with professional athletes. There's not many people that just get me. But seeing your face... In this industry, in this side of the business, and then seeing my face when you show me, like, hey, I just talked to Eric Bischoff, or we just talked to JR. And I'm like, or, yeah, it's, I'm like, it's Eric. It's yeah, cool. And I'm sitting there like, it all gets me, but watching, like, you talk to, like, a Mike Schmidt, you told me the story, walked by you in the Phillies press box once, and you just I go, think I, went, I think I went wow, first white. I Mike Schmidt. Like, to me, that's Gr- normal. Greatest third baseman. It's such a weird time. dynamic that we have going on here, but it's so special. We have the same reactions, but on on different sides of the yeah. th- different sides of the business, different sides of the industry, which is which is wh- very which special. Is, which is pretty is. cool, and you know, being around here at Sports Radio ninety four WIP, of course, Wrestler Court powered by Sports Radio ninety four WIP. We get to do a lot of cool things and meet a lot of cool people. And, Absolutely, uh, and we get to do this cool podcast, which is great. Hey, coming up today, a fascinating story with a fascinating guest. And it kills me to just be nice to him and have to say nice things about him because he really is one of my best friends in and out of the business. So it was kind of weird interviewing him as well. But former TNA Impact Wrestling superstar Robbie E., former finalist on CBS's Amazing Race. Robbie E., will join us in just a little bit. And most importantly, we debut a brand new hashtag in that episode. Now I don't know what you're talking about. You'll see. What do you mean? You'll see. Brand new hashtag. Brand new hashtag. We do hashtags on this show? We do. Especially when he creates one for us. Well, be that as of May, Robbie E. coming up in just a little bit. But you know what this week is, right? You know what Sunday is, right, Turtle? Football Sunday? This is a wrestling podcast, Turtle. Use your head. T-L-C. One of my all-time favorite pay-per-views, though. Really? Yeah. Why? It it just gets me. I like a tables, ladders, and chairs match. I I like the theme matches, even though they're mostly terrible. It just I have enjoyment in that. Were you a fan of the original TLC matches with the Hardys, Edge and Christian well, and Dudley? Of course, yes. When uh, when Edge speared Jeff off the off the belts hanging from the rafters, one of the most iconic memories. One of I my have. favorite matches. Watching Jeff also jump off the ladder. It wasn't a TLC match. It was just a ladder match. Well, ladder match. But sure. a WrestleMania doing <laughs> onto the guys there. 
those matches just get me. For whatever reason, the fan in me just kind of geeks out. Well, those guys certainly paved the way for pay-per-views like this. Well, those kind of matches, Turtles, certainly paved the way for a TLC pay-per-view and, and those kind of matches within the WWE and, and in the world of sports entertainment in general. And those guys certainly made their mark on history in the world of sports entertainment. But more importantly, this Sunday, TLC live from Minneapolis, Minnesota, emanating from the Target Center, 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. 7 p.m. pre-show, 8 p.m. I don't count. I don't know. I don't count pre-show. So, 7 so, p.m. So, so, 8 p.m. 8 p.m. No. It doesn't matter what time, because you don't want to know why? Live and only on the WWE Network. Amen to that. So, let's take a look at some of these matches here. Brian Kendrick versus Jack Gallagher. Jack Gallagher, I should say. It's actually Brian Kendrick and Jack Gallagher versus Rich Swain and Cedric Alexander. We're, me- we're both messing names up today because it's Rich Swan. It is. And Cedric Alexander. Quick little thing you're a fan of the product you watch wwe i do but you couldn't pronounce pronounce rich swan's name what does that say for 205 live right now i mean we've discussed this in previous podcasts 205 live while the cruiserweight classic was super entertaining and one of a kind this just feels like empty to me it's there's no there's they're trying to contrive rivalries here with cedric alexander and jack gallagher kind of turning on the world here because he's Mr. Gentleman, now he's Mr. Bad Guy. Uh, it, it, I, I didn't know. even know he was a bad guy. I enjoyed yeah. Gentleman Jack Gallagher with the umbrella and yeah, now the top rope and flying with the Gentleman umbrella. Jerk Gallagher, That was all good stuff. Yeah, see, I, I don't even know that 205 Live exists. I couldn't it, it's, tell you. It's a bad product, unfortunately. It really is. You know, if Rich Swan is on, Swanee as we call him, if he, was, if he was on and I happened to see it, I would certainly watch for him. Sure. If Drew Gulak was on, I think we've said this before, he's a Philly boy, I would certainly watch for him. I know Brian, I know Cedric. These guys are on. I'll watch for these guys, but I'm, this isn't something... You're not tuning in to watch that product I'm not, overall. Yes, I'm not going out of my way to see 205 Live. It's just not something that I need to see. And if I want to do that, I can go to my local independent. And what's a shame is these guys are actually really talented guys. Insanely stupid talented these guys are. But they just don't have a, a legitimate backing for this. And when you have an hour show that really has like a match and a half on it, there's no way to build momentum for anything. And especially when you throw these guys on Raw just in the middle of everything where it doesn't fit, it, it just doesn't help anybody. We're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna use this example into the next match, but that just goes to show you what happens when you don't have the machine behind you. Yeah. Two oh five live. And now Asuka, in my opinion as well, as Asuka takes on Emma this Sunday at TLC, Asuka's debut on the WWE main roster. Now Asuka was a superstar. In NXT, she was pushed to the moon. She was used as a top talent. Well, five hundred plus days of being undefeated—that's unheard of in the ha- business. Had these days. the Goldberg record going, the whole thing. And now she comes to the main roster, and they're they're airing these vignettes, and kind of just letting this debut fall by the wayside. I don't feel like a superstar is coming, and I feel that they're already messing up Oscar's debut. And this is just a classic example. Of what happens when you're under Hunter's control on NXT, and then when you're in Vince's world on the main roster. We've seen multiple, multiple examples of this. Tyler Breeze, Adam Rose. The list goes on and on and on. Guys who are superstars and must-see acts in NXT, they come to WWE and they're, they're kind of forgotten about. You originally told me this the other day. We were texting back and forth during Raw and all that kind of stuff. And you told me this the other day, and I go, hmm, let me think about it. And you're right, but I don't think it's her that is causing the issue. 
I don't think it's Vince that's causing the issue. I think it's the whole women's division there who's become pretty much irrelevant. No. Charlotte's a star. No, but she's not on Raw. This but is on this pay-per-view. But I'm just saying in general, sure. Alexa Bliss is a star. She's being shoved to the moon. She's the women's champ. I, I mean, But she's facing Mickie James. We'll get into this We're later. We're going to get into that in a second. In, in another, no offense, I love Mickie James. She was one of my favorite women wrestlers of all time. But right now, she's fairly irrelevant. She's a close, close friend, and this is no uh, no disrespect to Mickie. But I kind I, I kind of feel the same. And you know what? I think Mickie would tell you the same. Let's get into that in, in, in a second. But back to Oscar versus Emma. Nobody cares about Emma either. Emma's been given so many, and that sounds so harsh, but Emma's been given reset after reset after reset, and let's not forget she's injury prone, so some of it's on her, some of it's on WWE. This is just, this is a no-win situation for either of these girls in this match. This Well, because Asuka's easily going to roll. That That's why Emma won that match, because she's a quote-unquote the jobber for this match. There's no way in the world. Like, WWE surprises us every now and then, there's no chance in the entire world I'd be willing to bet anything I have on it. I'm not going to, but I'd be willing to, that Asuka wins. Of course she's going to win. This is her debut. You have to put her over. She has to be in the spotlight. She has to shine. Emma needs the win, but it's the, the win for Emma isn't going to do anything for her. Correct. Because they're not going to do anything with her after. Correct. So you're not going to ruin a debut of, a, in their eyes, a hot new superstar you know, just to by put losing them, right? Yeah, to by you know by putting them over, it's not going to happen. I mean, that again, but that whole division has become just irrelevant because you're putting one of your top talents in the women's division, Sasha Banks, whether you love her or hate her, and that's fine. Whatever heat she draws on the pre-show versus Alicia Fox, like who cares about that? The whole Alicia wants a T-shirt thing, nobody cares about that either. I just don't like where the women's division on Raw is right now. So unfortunately, as excited as I am for Oscar to come. The match kind of feels irrelevant to me. Listen, I love Alicia Fox to death. She was she got signed right before I did, so you know I saw the beginning of her career. I worked with her a ton. I wouldn't buy her T-shirt either. Sure, I mean, who would? It, it, the fact that we're putting stuff like that on television. Where's my T-shirt? Like that's yeah. still insider stuff, kind of. And I understand wrestling's been exposed and wrestling's out there and stuff like that. But like, why are we out there? Comp- we're, we're just basically telling the market. That wrestlers get royalties off their T-shirts, sure, like in a blind way. Like they're not coming out saying, "Oh, I want to make more money, so where's my T-shirt so I can get royalties?" But that's blindly what we're telling Absolutely. them. That's that's insanity. It's unfortunate for that division. It's had so much hype with the women's evolution and revolution and all that kind of stuff. And I really like where the women's division is going on SmackDown. On Raw, it just feels kind of. Eh. We're going to have to see where that goes, but can I keep my complaining going for a while? Sure, go for it. The demon Finn Balor. I like Finn Balor. I like Balor as a talent. He's getting over. Yes. He's he's getting reactions. But this is the same trap we're falling into when he went to wrestle Seth Rollins at SummerSlam where he won the title and separated his shoulder. Finn Balor as an actual talent, as a standalone talent, is not over enough with the crowd yet to start dividing him in half with another persona. I agree with you on that. You need to clearly identify and get Finn Balor over as an actual talent to the point where fans are demanding for the demon because we know about the demon. Well, the demon has to be special too. We know who we know who the demon is. We know we know he exists. 
but there's no need for him yet. So why waste this? Well, they already wasted it in the previous match between them. They brought the demon versus the monster, whatever the hell Bray Wyatt was calling himself I'm just at saying that point. in general, the demon isn't needed here. Finn Balor as a standalone talent is a big enough star at this point. Not a main eventer, but a, an upper, you know, higher upper uh, mid card. To stand alone and face Bray Wyatt or Sister Abigail or any variation of whatever they're doing. Because quite honestly, I haven't been paying attention to what Bray Wyatt's doing with this See, whole Sister Abigail I thing. I like this because thing, I think by they, the way. Because I think they missed the boat bringing in a woman character as Sister Abigail. I, sure, I agree. And it would be a way to kind of bring back the quote-unquote Wyatt family and all that kind of stuff. I get it. I actually don't mind that it's his alter ego and they do some special effects and bring her into him. That's pretty cool. It's a different take on things. It's horror movie 101 from the 70s and 80s. It's it's the alter ego. That's cool by me. And that's all fine and good. But this whole feud has been over for months and they're just kind of dragging it on and dragging it on and dragging it on. New stuff is great. When you introduce new stuff and when you try new things, fantastic. That's what That's what fans and insiders and people like us clamor for. But when it's not relatable, it falls it falls on deaf ears. It falls by the wayside. Sure. And let's I can't be honest, too, to real quick, too. This match might not happen. If you believe any of the quote-unquote insiders or, or the dirt sheets or the rap sheets or whatever you want to call them. I don't know what the dirt sheets are. You might not have this match. Supposedly, seriously, unfortunately, the Wyatt, Bo Dallas, whatever, uh, JoJo... Are sick. Yeah, somebody has it. Uh, Bo's been kept off of Raw because of an undisclosed illness. They have, and really, so is Bray. They kept Bray's them, been on t- on video only. Yeah, they kept them all home. Uh, just from what I understand, I don't have any actual confirmation of this from me myself or anybody that I know or talk to. Uh, just what I understand, and I don't I don't know what what the illness is. So I'd rather yeah, I, I don't want to. I'd rather leave that alone. Speculate to now. what the illness is, but I'm just saying, like, they might have a big hole in this pay per view. I wish well to Bo and to Bray and to JoJo. And anybody involved in that family, hopefully it's nothing super serious, but we might have a hole in this pay-per-view. I'm going to keep the complaining going. You cool with that? Go for it. This is just going to be a, a, a complaining a complaining episode. And once we get to Robbie E., I'm going to complain a little bit more, too. Yeah, but that's because he doesn't like you, and yeah. I like you. and He loves me. We'll see. Alexa Bliss versus Mickey James for the Raw Women's Championship. We touched on it a couple minutes ago. Now, I love Alexa Bliss. She is somebody... I have a massive crush on her, too, by the way. I I don't know who doesn't, but (laughs) she is a natural. Absolutely. She is what you call a natural. Not necessarily on in-ring skills. I mean, she's not bad when the bell rings. Ding, ding, ding. She can go. Sure. But her facials and her promos. And when she looks at you, she looks like... She wants to kill you. I know a couple Alexas. Do you know a few Alexas? I, I know a few Alexas, and they're not as convincing as the real Alexa yeah, right now. It, it's, it's unbelievable for somebody who didn't have a background in wrestling. She says she watched wrestling, which is fine, but when, th- when you didn't grow up in this, or I shouldn't say grow up in this, but like when this wasn't what you wanted to do for sure. your entire life, or when this wasn't your dream, to be this good and to be able to talk on the microphone that well and to be able to develop facials that make you look like a total bleep. Yeah. It's a breath of fresh air. Absolutely. She's fun in a good way and a bad way, in a mean way, in a positive way. She's fun. She is, I mean, she's she's probably my number one guest that I like to get on here. Yeah, I would love her. You know, I heard her. She was actually on Jericho's podcast a few months back. 
I enjoyed that interview. It's probably one of my favorite editions of the Jericho podcast. She's amazing, and, that's, and she's, she's just somebody stuck with somebody who's. Eh. She's somebody that you can relate to in in real life, which I think is which I think is fantastic. Yeah. Now let's move over to Mickey James. Listen, I've known Mickey since I started in the business. I've known Mickey since 2001. What's that? 15 years, yep. 16 years. I attended her wedding. We're good friends. I'm friends with her husband, Nick Magnus. But I even think Mickey would tell you that they're not using her properly, that they have wasted her since day one, and she's being thrown into a... Ma- they're not even making it convincing yeah. to make you think that Mickey has a shot at winning this title, there, that she's going to bring this belt home. That's you what know, I complain about this whole pay-per-view for. If I go up and down this card, there's clear, clear winners on every side of this thing. There's no convincing. Like, there's no way that Alicia's going to beat Sasha. There's no way to me that Emma's going to beat Asuka, and so on and so forth. With this match, too, there's zero chance. I don't care how many times she says, I want to be the seven-time champion, blah, blah, blah. They did a last-ditch effort on Monday with a, in a backstage interview with Charlie yeah. Caruso right after... Was it after the match or before a match? Right after the match. Was it right after a match? Yeah. Where she said, you know, I want to bring, I want, I want to be the seven-time champion. I want to bring my my title home to my little boy. Great story. I lo- I mean, it's just not going to happen. It's a it's a great story, but it still didn't convince me. It didn't hook me. No. There's, I don't have a reason to see this match outside of I really like Alexa and Mickey's my friend. Yeah. If those are my reasonings for watching this match, I can't imagine how disconnected the WWE Universe is. Uh, again, I, I don't know any of them from Adam. I'm sure Mickey's very nice. She seems like a sweetheart on TV. She's fantastic. Again, we, we spoke to her husband on one of our video podcasts that we did previously. Super nice guy. Hopefully we get him on here again and we'll, we'll talk to him some more. Eh. Yeah. I mean, eh. Exactly. But again, that's that's where this whole card is going. I have a bit of interest, like I said, in the Bray Abigail Finn Balor demon thing. I don't. But as we move on to the cruiserweight championship, we know how we feel about the cruiserweights here. I couldn't care less about. Let this me match. tell you something. At this current point in time, Enzo Amore for me is a channel changer. Absolutely. I've seen the act. The act is old. He doesn't try anything new. It just he does he does nothing for me at this point in time. I'll turn I'll turn basketball on. I'll turn the and football you know game on. Maybe I, this is because he really is kind of a jerk backstage. But eh, I don't WWE I don't. to me ruined him. Well, he was a big money maker, whether it was merchandise like we talked about earlier, or need to watch, can't wait to see him kind of guy. And now just like I said, I'll absolutely change the channel when I see him on because I don't care about the cruiserweight division and I really don't care about his feud with Kalisto. You know who I won't t- change the channel on, Turtle? Well, your, your favorite people. The Hounds of Justice are back, and they are in the main event of TLC. It is a five-on-three handicap match in the main event of TLC. The Shield versus Braun Strowman, The Miz, Sheamus and Cesaro, and a late addition Monday night on Raw to the main event, Kane. Returns. It's such a weird match on Team Miz. It's such a weird match. Uh, listen, great. The Shield's coming and it's cool. They enter through the crowd and that's awesome. And maybe you'll be Can right. Can we talk about that entrance though? If they continue this for a couple months in the Survivor Series in the Royal Rumble, maybe even the Mania, okay, I might get back on board with the Shield because it'll be fun. But their their <laughs> their matchup here versus Strowman, Kane, the Miz, and Sheamus and Zaro couldn't be more just contrived. Couldn't be more just put in there for no reason. 
I don't know where this is going to go. I have a feeling the Shield are going to stick around. Well, we're certainly going to have to see what the fallout of TLC is. How long will the Shield be around? Will they? Will something happen at TLC? Will they be around at WrestleMania? Only time will tell. But do not go anywhere. Former TNA Impact Wrestling superstar Robbie E joins us next as Wrestle as the Wrestler Court podcast moves on. Robbie E, boom! Hey, this is the innovator of violence, Tommy Dream, and you're listening to the Wrestling Court podcast, taking your podcasting to the extreme. All right, Turtle, slam down the gavel. Court is now in session. The Honorable Keenan presiding. Hey, that's the first time I said that. If I'm the Honorable, if I'm the judge, you've, you've got to be the bailiff, right? I'm the jury. I'm going to decide your fate on this podcast. No, 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 no. From here on out, you've got to be, you've got to be the bailiff, like, like, like my sidekick, kind of. I think you're my sidekick. Uh, well, that, well, well, we'll debate that as this episode goes on, but on the line with this is someone who's, God, this kills me to say, one of my closest friends in and out of the wrestling business. You know, in Wrestling Turtle, they do say you have many acquaintances, but very few friends. And even after all of these years of us wanting to kill each other and traveling up and down the roads, he managed to make the cut somehow still. I don't know. <laughs> We're going to get into it. But he's a former two-time Impact Wrestling Tag Team Champion, former Impact Wrestling Television Champion, a former Impact Wrestling X Division Champion. I can't believe he did all this. This is killing me. Former finalist on CBS's Amazing Race. He's the host of Dad Bod Destroyer segments powered by Muscle and Fitness, where new installments drop every Monday at 10 a.m. on all social media platforms. He's going to tell us all about it. And he's a former Impact Wrestling superstar. His name is Robbie E. And he's on the line with us right now. Hi, Robert. Hey, do you know that I have the biggest smile on my face as I'm listening to you have to say all those positive things about me? Do you know how great that is for me? Do you know for that intro for about 60 seconds, I think that those are the nicest things I've ever said about you ever in your life, and I had to look them up on I, Wikipedia? Hey, well, you know what? I know you were cringing saying them, but this is on record, so like people are going to hear this. I'll have this forever that you talk that way about me. So I my, I, my, days, my days made. I can't wait for Dreamer to hear this. He did look a little nauseous while he was saying those things, just to be fair. <laughs> How you doing, Turtle, man? I feel bad that, Turtle, I feel bad that you have to deal with Keenan all the time. But no, man, I am doing great. I am driving right now with uh, with my baby twins, Cash and Carter, who are about to be one years old. Well, we're gonna get we're gonna talk about Cash and Carter for a second uh, in a little bit. But hold on one second. Is this gonna be is this gonna be a tag team? The two of you this whole episode? Yes. Uh, I have to deal with him on a regular basis, and now, and now you're, my own co host is gonna team up on me. Absolutely. My God. All right, I think, well. I actually think if I could give my two quick cents, I'm pretty sure should be the main host, and Keenan, you're just the co-host, so there you go. Yeah, well. I, I like those words. Thank you. This is recorded, so he has to hear that forever now, too. Yeah, well, story of my life, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just what happens to me. But let's focus back on Rob, because, you know, that's what he's used to. Everything back to Robbie E. Uh, <laughs> Rob, let's get back to the most recent happenings with you. A little over seven years with Impact. And then you decided to ask for your release after so long with the company. This is something we haven't really got into a whole uh, a whole lot. What led you to asking for your release from Impact Wrestling? Um, I mean, so you know, you're not the first that asked. Basically, I hate to have a a lame answer, nothing, you know, a dirt story or anything. But I mean, it's seven and a half years with Impact. It was pretty much the best seven and a half years of my life. You know, I'll be the first to admit that without them, I. Wouldn't have been able to travel the world. I wouldn't have been on a reality show. I probably currently weren't, wouldn't be working for Muscle and Fitness. I mean, without, you know, Impact, there is no Robbie E., so props to them. Um, but it just came to a point where basically, 
you know, my contract with them turned into the more you wrestle, the more you get paid. And I wasn't wrestling very much. And I'm 34 years old. I got baby twins, as you know. So it's like, I feel like Robbie E not only has more to offer the wrestling world, but just offer the world in general. So my time is, is priceless and I got to use it for more important stuff. You know what I'm saying? Certainly. I, I understand what you're saying. And like you said, Cash and Carter about to be a year old, about to be a year old, right? Coming up in November. Yeah, November 3rd, they're going to be one. That year certainly flew. We're going to get into Cash and Carter here in a little bit. Your twin boys, they are the absolute best. But let's jump back to Impact real quick because it's they've certainly had their issues over the years. Most most recently, Dixie Carter out, Billy Corrigan in, Billy Corrigan out, Jeff Jarrett back in. Throw Anthem into the mix, and now Jeff Jarrett's back out. What did You've been through a lot of these. What did things like this do for the morale of the locker room? And did it ever, uh, did it ever influence you on what you were doing on the show? No, you know, and I can't speak for everyone, but I'm just kind of, there was, there was so many changes going on on a regular basis. I think I just kind of got like numb to it where I just, it really didn't affect me. You know what I'm saying? So as long as it didn't affect my day to day, which it didn't, the, as long as the company kept running, as long as TV tapings kept happening, it just, it didn't really affect me straight on. So I just kind of, it sucks to say, but just kind of stop paying attention, you know, because it was happening so often. It wasn't worth getting worked up over it every few months. So I just kind of let it all happen until, um, you know, and, and just wanted to wait until finally someone would become in charge where it was going to last long. And that ha- finally happened when Jeff Jarrett got there. Changes started to be made, and, uh, and now he's gone also. So go figure. Let's start in the beginning. You were in the business for 17 years. Were you a fan of this growing up? What made you want to be a wrestler? Um, I mean, so I got into pro wrestling like anybody else. I liked it as a kid. My older brother liked it. So whatever he liked, I liked. And I do remember that the first ever match that I saw was Sunday night's main event on TBS. And it was Sting versus Dan Spivey. And so that was the first ever match I saw. I was four years old. From there, I was hooked. I liked it throughout, you know, all my childhood and stuff. You know the deal. But then when I got to middle school, I was too cool for it. And then when I got into high school is like during Attitude Era is when I really like fell in love with it and was like, oh, my God, I want to do this. And like started searching for wrestling schools and working out to like prepare and stuff. Um, Yeah. And then right when I was 16, I found a local wrestling school. You know, you were allowed to start training with a parent's signature. I joined with three of my best friends. Uh, Two of them quit before the first match. One of them made it to the first match and then ended up quitting. And then my first match. Yeah, he is a quitter, and I'm actually still best friends with him now. And then I had my first match on my 17th birthday, and I just turned 34. So I've been wrestling for over 17 years, more than half my life, which is pretty crazy. So you made a good name for yourself, Rob, on the Northeast Independence during this time in an era where everything was starting to become, hey, let, let's hit each other as hard as we can, a style that is now known today as strong style. And during a period in what could arguably, arguably be called the best years of independent wrestling, you're not really known for working that style. What do you attribute to being able to make a name for yourself in an era and in a style that you don't really work? Well, so around the time when I started to like branch out into a lot of independence in like Jersey and PA in New York, like you said, was the same time. Guys, I guess, you know, the SATs and Red and Prince Nana and Xavier and Low Key were all like blowing up in that style. And like, you know, even when I was young, the first thing I, I realized was, I cannot hit as hard as these dudes. I cannot flip as cool as these guys. So, and it's just not who I am. So I'm actually going to do the complete opposite 
and be overly character, overly hokey and old school wrestling. And I figured maybe because I'm the only one doing it, it'll stand out. And it did. You know, a lot of guys at that time weren't into like working on their bodies and, and having bright colors and that kind of stuff. And I was. So like I always stood out and those guys appreciated it because they liked working with someone who actually just wanted to be a heel and have the crowd boo them, and they had fun wrestling with me. So I kind of gelled well with all those guys while not having to, like, put my body on the line and leave with black eyes and stuff. <laughs> and I still don't. Of course, we're talking with former Impact Wrestling superstar Robbie E. You can catch Rob every Tuesday morning on the Fight TV app for new episodes of Hashtag Real Robbie E. Just go to the App Store on your iPhone or Android device and download the app. It's really just that simple. It's every Tuesday morning, 10.30 a.m. Hashtag Real Robbie E. on the Fight TV app. It's now 2010 and the Jersey Shore show was the biggest show on TV. This led you to becoming Robbie E. Take us through that process of getting brought into Impact and whose idea it was to brand you as the Jersey Shore character. Well, I'd say that I am like the perfect example of really just right place, right time. Anything could happen in pro wrestling. And, you know, I will totally be the first to admit that. I was I was at TNA for a, a dark match, a tryout match, and I was wrestling Bobby Fish. And I was just kind of there. They were way more looking at him. And uh, whatever, we did the match. And I was eating in the afternoon and catering with Pat Kenny, who used to be Simon Diamond. He was an agent at the time for TNA. And we were just eating, BSing, and Vince Russo, who was the head writer of the show at the time, walked by, and Pat literally said, hey, Vince, you wanted to do a Jersey Shore character. This guy's from Jersey, literally just making a joke. So if Vince never walked by at that time and, and Pat never made that joke, like I, there would be no Robbie E. But anyway, he made that joke, and then Vince looked at me, and he goes, looked me up at that. He goes, you from Jersey? I go, yeah. And he goes, could you get a girl? And I was like, yeah, even though I couldn't, they ended up getting cookie, but I was just like, sure. And they went and they talked alone for like an hour and they came back. And then they said, tonight, we want you to like spike up your hair and fist pump on the way to the ring, which is something I never done. But luckily I'm from Jersey. I I was watching the show. So it kind of came easy to me. And Vince Russo and Dixie Carter went in the audience and watched my match. And they said that just after my entrance alone, they left, and they said, sign this guy to a contract. So, I mean, it's <laughs> a pretty crazy story. And then I, I signed a contract that night. Sticking with the Jersey Shore, Rob, just for a second, you know, being the Jersey Shore guy in Impact, you had many of the cast members from the actual show on MTV come into the company and do some on-screen stuff with you. For being so young into the company at that time and being on a national level not all that long, what was it like to be put in such a high-profile spot? I mean, it was awesome. Yeah, like, it was, uh, I think, our either our second or third impact and JWoww was on. And like you said, at the time, the show was like really hot. It really was like the number one show everywhere. So for her to be on our show was a big deal. And it was just a lot at once. Like it all happened so quick. So I, I, it's hard even to remember it all. But yeah, I mean, in that short period of time, I mean, we were picked up on so many, I was on so many news channels and TMZ and all this stuff like happening at once because for JWoww to get into pro wrestling, it was such like a big deal. So it was kind of surreal, you know? And then later, Ronnie being on, um, same kind of thing. It's just by the time Ronnie was on our show, I was more established and more comfortable where I was. So, like, uh, I was able to enjoy it more. How were they to work with? I mean, you know, being that they were the superstars at that time, were they easy to work with? Were they down for whatever? Take us a little bit of, uh, of the creative with those guys. Uh, I, I mean, they were a thousand percent down for whatever. You got to remember, these guys were old girls and guys, Wow and Ronnie, they're, 
they're reality stars. So I'm not saying that they're not real stars. They are, but even then themselves, they weren't these huge stars for a long period of time. It was kind of like overnight success. So a lot of things were still new to them. So to them stepping in professional wrestling around all these people that they watched on TV when they were kids and stuff, they were like super nervous. I remember Ronnie walking in and, you know, I mean, Ronnie, Ronnie's younger than me. He was in his, you know, mid, early to mid twenties and he's in a locker room with Bully Ray and Sting and Kurt Angle. And he sees all these guys and, you know, I'm sure he was beyond nervous. And then at the time he's wrestling me when I was, you know, a little more jacked up. And then I got my bodyguard, Rob Terry, who's walking up to him, you know, introducing himself. So he was nervous, man. But yes, yeah, so was Jay Wow. They were both super nervous, but they're nice people. Real quick, you just mentioned Rob Terry. Talk to me what it was, uh, a little bit about what it was like to work with Rob Terry, Robbie T, as he was known on the television show. For me, you know, for my money, I felt he was the perfect fit for your act at the time, a diesel to your Sean. He was the bouncer. If you weren't on the list, you weren't getting past the velvet rope. How did you feel? Did you feel the same way? Yeah, I mean, I thought working with him was awesome. I think we were literally, like, it was just Rob Terry's doing nothing, Robbie E's doing nothing, let's throw these two together and they have the same name Rob like it was just nothing we're not going to do anything with these guys but you know me and I'm crazy and I want to get the most out of anything um I, I immediately like you know worked with Rob to hey let's do the big Rob and bigger Rob thing and have cool names and instead of you being my bodyguard be my bouncer which is different and I remember handing Rob a pink sweater saying hey dude let's wear these matching sweaters and his jaw dropping but I really wanted to, like, make it something, and, and, and I think that, like, we invented the list, and, you know, I think everyone in TNA, wrestlers and management, everyone were super impressed because Rob was only put with me just to, I think, get a little more experience because I had been wrestling way longer and to loosen up a little bit, and he really turned into, like, a whole different person, and we made a nothing into something. When you came in, Hogan and Bischoff were in charge. What was it like working for those guys? Uh, awesome. I mean, I know, like, everyone, and you read and hear, like, bad stories and stuff, but they're both awesome guys. They're super approach approachable. They watch the monitor the whole time, giving guys feedback as they came back. If you had questions, they'd answer them. You know, they were around. They weren't, like, hidden the whole day. I think they were great, you know, and they, they really tried to make the guys better and learn more, make impact better, you know, whether it worked out or not or money was involved. But as human beings, they're awesome people. You know, in my opinion, and I was around you guys for a lot of this run, pretty much if not the whole run, uh, the best chemistry you had was with the bromance, with Jesse Goddard, a former star on CBS's Big Brother. Take us through how the bromance got put together, and do you feel that you helped Jesse grow as a performer? Um, well, I think some that had to do with it, the same kind of Rob Terry. Yeah, Rob Terry was green. I was experienced, put me with him, help him out. Same with Jesse, for sure. And, you know, Jesse will tell you, he definitely, in and out of the ring, the fact that we were so close, it just loosened him up a little bit more in wrestling and in life. So, like, he's kind of a high-strung person, so him being around me all the time, I think, helped loosen him up. And, you know, I helped teach him wrestling inside the ring and outside the ring. Um, but the person who saw us together as the bromance that said, you two will fit so great as a team, was Dave Lagana who was one of the head writers at the time. And it was a great idea. The name ended up being so awesome. And it was the first, you know, we, we're the only team in pro wrestling history that is a reality star tag team. Because there's been reality singles wrestlers, of course, but never a tag team. And the fact that we were both on these huge shows on CBS, it's pretty wild. And then 
when you throw into the mix that we had our own personal DJ, which is a first in pro wrestling history too, I believe, it's like we kind of had a cool thing going on. And yeah, it was one of the favorite times, of definitely probably the best time of my wrestling career. You just said it. You were a reality show uh, finalist as well on The Amazing Race on CBS. Is the casting process a struggle to get through? What was it like for you? Um, I mean, to be fair, uh, to keep it pretty short, we, we, me and my partner had an in. So it was really just one interview. We nailed it and we were casted. Uh, we didn't have to go through the same process as a lot of the other people because I guess we were special because we were already on TV and pro wrestlers. So it worked out pretty good for us. Um, it was just an interview in L.A., and we nailed it, and we were casting. <laughs> you hear this guy, Turtle? Well, big, big wrestling superstar, one interview, nails it on, on, on CBS Amazing Race. I, w- I wish I could well, do it. This is unbelievable. Welcome to my, welcome to my life. <laughs> this, this, this guy's unbelievable. Hey, uh, do me a favor. You and I have had this conversation before, but are you able to put into words a day in the life on The Amazing Race? Uh, well, all the days were different, but what I can say is, so the cameras are on you the whole time that you're racing. And then when a race ends, like on TV, when you see a race end, you immediately get brought to your hotel room and you get locked in. And then the cameras are off because you can't leave the room because you can't interact with teams off camera. So you're locked in your room. And then when you know the time that you're going to start filming again, which is between 12 and 24 hours later, you leave your room and the cameras are right back on you and you start racing again. So it's, it's pretty crazy. Like, you know, you're in your room. They just bring you food. You eat. You sleep. You wash your clothes in the sink. And then you put them back on and go race again. And you got, and we made it to the finals. So, dude, like, that was 30 days straight for us of, you know, eating weird and sleeping at weird times and no working out. Like, it was pretty wild. You've been in the ring with some of the best that TNA Impact has had to offer. AJ Styles, Bobby Roode, Samoa Joe, just to name a few. What are your thoughts on seeing them succeed on the WWE platform? I mean, it's awesome. Like, anyone that you know is super talented in wrestling and deserves to make a living wrestling and make a lot of money wrestling and are just genuinely good people, like all the guys you just mentioned, you're happy for them, you know? Like, there's some people that you see make it and you're like, man, that guy's a scumbag or he doesn't deserve it or, you know, it's just not fair. But those guys, they're all hard workers. They've busted their ass for years. They've wrestled all around the world. They've learned their craft. They love this business, and they deserve what they're getting. You know what I mean? And, and you guys see that. I'm sure the fans see that. I mean, they're the best at what they do, and they deserve to be where they're at. So now that you're not there, Impact speaking of, and you're on the outside looking in, how do you see the future of Impact playing out, Rob? You know, I mean... I'm, I'm not like a, I'm a very happy and positive person. Like I'm not, there's no reason. Like I said, I loved my seven and a half years there. There's no reason to bash anything. It, the more wrestling, the more, I mean, the more wrestling, the more people have jobs, the more people make money, the more it's out there. So, I mean, I hope it succeeds. It is what it is. But the thing is, there really is no way to say, because like we talked about earlier, if you look back at the past five years of all the different owners and changes, so many times you finally thought it was going to be one way and it wasn't. So, like, there's really no way to say Because I could say, yeah, now finally it's going to have some consistency and, you know, it's going to have storylines that don't end early and, and, and the same owner and the same arena. But who knows? There really is no way to say. In a perfect world, I would hope at some point they would get back to regular TV every week or every other week and then to have live events all over the world again. So that way all the guys are working regularly and, you know, the brand's getting out there. But 
you know, who's to say? What do you guys think? I mean, it certainly remains to be seen. Like, where all the changes certainly aren't good as far as from a fan's perspective. Like, there's no, there, there hasn't been any consistency, really, over the past few years. And you need consistency. There's TV deals that have gone down and go into a new channel. And there's been so many resets where it hasn't really played straightforward. So, again, like you said, I'm kind of, I'm hoping that it, that it survives and it succeeds. I mean, a lot of, a lot of our friends work there. A lot of our mutual friends work there. A lot of the, you know, it's good for business. You can't just have one company in wrestling. You need to, you need to have competition in order to make everybody better in order for the industry to survive. What a lot of people don't realize and all the, all the people that are clamoring for impact to go out of business or all the people that are uh, on the internet talking, you know, putting TNA down, putting impact down is they got to realize is that, what actually what they don't realize is that the industry needs impact to survive because without that you really only have one option well and that and then even beyond that for that reason to survive but you also also can't forget about the reason why i think it will and why people still will watch is all the talented guys beyond them being our friends like you said but you you have eddie edwards there you have trevor lee there you have ec3 there rockstar spud there's so many guys there that are still so good that are worth watching. So I, I think that's why fans are still sticking with it and tuning in because you can't deny talent, you know what I mean, no matter what they're given. Do you feel that the internet narrative is warranted, Rob? What do you mean? That's a big word for me. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, due to the, the change in channels and things like that, the internet has a very negative perception of TNA. Is that warranted? Is that, is that worthwhile? Is that right? That... that, that, that the show switch networks that it was on. No, just the just the stigma that TNA is always going to go out of business, that they can't keep it on the right track, that they can't keep talent, that you know they can't fill I arenas. Mean, is that is based off of your experience? Is that a is that a right opinion, or do you think fans sometimes go too hard on them? I definitely think fans go too hard because the thing is, like you know, like some and and the thing is, they could do this because. You could do whatever you want. Anyone could have their opinion. You could say whatever you want. So they're not wrong. Any human gets to type or say what they want. But are they tools and douchebags? Yeah, because they love wrestling and they watch TNA, but yet they bury it. It really doesn't make much sense. You know what I'm saying? It's just like if you don't have, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say it at all. It's just they're not getting anything out of burying it, but being negative people and living a negative life. So what's it doing? And. You know, not saying that they, there can't be some frustration, because it is. As, as a fan and a viewer, like, if you're into a storyline and then it just ends, or you're into a talent and then he just disappears, it isn't fair. Um, but still, I, I do think they're too hard on it. So we mentioned your twin boys earlier coming up on a year. I can't believe they're going to be a year old, Cash and Carter. Uh, and along with your new uh, venture with Muscle and Fitness, Dad Bod Destroyer. Tell us how that came to be, what it is exactly, and where and when can we find Dad Bod Destroyer? Um, you, it just really hit me that you have your own podcast and you're insane. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, oh, it is oh. kind of scary watching him do serious interviews. I'll be very honest with you. Like, I'm just, I just realized, wait a minute, for 20 minutes I'm talking to Keenan. I'm not, like, I, I got lost for a second as if, like, I'm, I'm in, like, interview mode with, like, a host and I'm forgetting who's interviewing I me. can't just, stand either of you. Um, God, if only they saw you in San Francisco. Anywho, so, uh, <laughs> so, um, well, Muscle and Fitness originally interviewed me when I was on Amazing Race about, like, my preparation for it and how I stayed fit during it, and then they did a follow-up interview for my Impact Wrestling career, 
And then I stayed in touch with them. And when they saw that I had uh, baby twins and stayed fit, they hit me up like asking how the heck am I still getting to the gym and stuff with my life being so busy with them. And just kind of together, we said, well, let's start doing these weekly videos because let's face it, like I know Turtle, you, Keenan, I know you, you guys definitely have friends that have became dads and then you saw them a year later and they look different. It's just a fact, right? That's absolutely a fact. Yeah, yes. I have quite a few of those. Like, yeah, whether they're losing some hair, they got a gut, or they're dressing bad, like some... Or there's all the above. It. Yeah, they just start to look like a dad. So the reason for not going to the gym and staying fit is because the only free time that they have from work and everything they want to use for their kids, which makes sense. So what I did was combine the two. Now you could entertain and play with your kids while working out. So whether you're doing push-ups and making funny faces at your kids or whether you're using your kids as dumbbells, you're getting some fitness in and your kids are having fun. And that's why I'm the hashtag the dad bod destroyer on Mondays at Muscle and Fitness, all their social media platforms, 10.30 a.m., boom. Now you're doing the same thing sort of with men's fitness. What are you doing over there? Um, so men's fitness, which is a branch of Muscle and Fitness, which actually this Thursday will be the debut workout video. It's Hashtag, and this is a lot of hashtags, it's hashtag back to the basics. Impure uh, Robbie in fashion turtle, all hashtags. <laughs> well, we're teaching you hashtags on how to get our Twitter account to grow, so God. you're learning. Hashtag turtles the host, Keenan's the co-host. Yes! But, um, so it's Thursdays, 10.30 a.m., same time, and it's back to the basics. We're basically, uh, I'm going to do workouts, and it's reminding you that less is more, kind of like my philosophy for pro wrestling. That you don't have to, you know, in, in 2017, people are working out and making things more complicated than they need to be. They're using tires and hammers and strings and all this stuff. And it's like, dude, just like if it's chest day, just bench press. If it's cardio day, just go run. Like keep it simple. Less is more. Don't overthink it. So it's just weekly reminders of simple workouts you could do that if you work hard, you get the job done. And that's that's Thursdays on Men's Fitness. All right. Last question, Rob. Now, now that you're going from Impact, you have twin boys. The fight app stuff, men's fitness stuff, muscle and fitness stuff, all of your independent dates on top of that. What does the future hold for Robbie E? Uh, well, I love pro wrestling. You know, I'm, I got the love-hate relationship with it. So I, I'm, I'm 34 years old. I'm in the best shape of my life. So I still full-on want to wrestle. I have, you know, I'm booked out through 2017 all the way to 2018 in the country, out of the country. So I, I'm busy with wrestling still. But, I mean, yeah, of course, I still would love to be contracted somewhere, wrestling full-time, traveling the world regularly. I still think Robbie E. has something to offer the wrestling world. Possibly but, some I, WWE? I mean, like, if I could be contracted and wrestle full-time, that's where I want to be. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then beyond that, now that I have free time, I want to work on other projects. You know, everyone, when they leave somewhere, they say, like, they have big things in the works. So I don't want to sound like that, but I do want to branch out on other stuff. I do want to get on some more reality shows. You know, I'm already within two weeks. I'm hooked up with Fight TV, working for them. I got these muscle and fitness gigs going on, which are huge. And, you know, they're sending camera crew out to my house to film some more stuff. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be doing, um, you know, like when they're at the Arnold and they're, they're working all the big fitness expos, I'm going to be at the muscle and fitness table talking and signing autographs all around. So there's just, like, a lot of things coming up that I think could branch out into other things. So I think we just got to kind of wait and see. Hashtag big things in the work, Turtle. You hear this guy? I still like the hashtag Turtle's the host, Keenan's the co-host. God. Well, (laughs) these next words are going to absolutely make me sick. But, Rob, you really are a true success 
in the wrestling business and you're one of the few people who've proved that you don't need the big machine behind you in order to become a star. And some of the younger guys uh, in the upcoming generation could really take a note from you and you're absolutely insane and you're a complete lunatic. But we thank you for taking a few minutes and coming on with us. I still can't believe you have a podcast. It's wild. (laughs) Thanks, Why didn't you just take me to court? Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Turtle, usually after an interview, this is usually the time where I say, you know, the great Eric Bischoff Turtle or the amazing Tommy Dreamer Turtle. I've got a good way to end it, though. Can I end it for you this time? Yeah, because I can't really say anything nice about him. Hashtag Turtle's the host, Kevin is the co-host. I don't know what that means. I love that hashtag, and I love Robbie Yee. I, I, I don't know what that means. His story was pretty darn good. His story's okay. Hashtag Turtles the Coast, Kevin, Turtles the Host, Kevin's the Coast. Why do you keep saying that? I don't know what because that is. Because it's a great hashtag. Sure. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know what that means. But no, but in seriously, he was a great guest. I love learning about his uh, amazing race. I love learning about his time and impact and how he became to be Robbie Yee himself. He does have a very unique story in the sense of, and I, did, and I said it to him, where and I say it to him all the time, that he didn't, he didn't make it to WWE in order to become a star. Yeah. He was able to use the platform he was given in sports entertainment through Impact, through Amazing Race, and through you know, all his various independents. And his, I mean, he really, really, really became somebody who knows how to use social media to expand their celebrity. And he actually liked you. I don't know why. Well, you know. But, but he's a good guy, and we thank him so much for joining the podcast yeah, today. He, he's one of these guys that's going to be, he's going to be fine no matter where he goes, whether it's in wrestling or, you know, he has a degree in teaching if he goes back to being a teacher or if he... Uh, can you imagine that? Just for a quick second. I know we're wrapping up here. I'm about to finish the podcast for today. But can you imagine, like, let's say Stone Cold had a degree in teaching. You, you sign, you're, you're in school. You sign up for a class. It's, I don't know, Western philosophy, let's say. I just dropped that not too long ago. <laughs> and in comes... The teacher's intro that day is the glass shattering, and Stone Cold comes trotting in there trying to be all serious. That'd be so cool and yet so weird. Cool little thing that I'll tell you about. He was a gym teacher. I don't even know if he wants me saying this, but I, I really don't care. Um, he was TNA X Division champion while he was still teaching gym. That's cool. So he would, he would come back from television tapings and bring the belt with him. He was Robbie E., the gym teacher, TNA X Division champion. Now go run laps, kids. That's awesome. Could you imagine your gym teacher being a worldwide professional wrestling sports entertainment celebrity, not only being that, but a champion. Be, being an X-Division champion. He's a great guy, so uh, thank we, you again, Robbie. Much appreciated. We certainly appreciate it, Rob, and you're never coming on my podcast again. But next week, next week, we have a great guest. We have a fantastic guest. And he's going to talk to us all about the movie he produced, The Price of Fame, about his father, Ted DiBiase Sr., one of my Really, really good friend, somebody who helped me through uh, my time in WWE. Ted DiBiase Jr. is going to join us on Wrestler Court. I'm thrilled with it. I'm learning that you actually have friends, which is shocking to me, but I'm thrilled for it. As a wrestling fan, I can't wait to learn about the history of him and his family. So we're going to get into everything Price of Fame next week with Ted Jr. There is a theater in Philadelphia, Turtle, that is uh, showing the movie, so we're going to have to... We're going to go. Can ap- he, maybe can you get us free tickets or... Well, maybe if there's a premiere or something, we can go. Ted Jr. is next week, and we thank everybody for listening to this episode. Our thanks again to Robbie E. Join us next Thursday with Wrestler Court Podcast with Keenan and Turtle, powered by Sports Radio 94, WIP.